Blog Talk Radio. Hi, and welcome to Holistic Living. This is Tara. Today, I am so excited. We are chatting with Hay House author Mary Shores on conscious communication. Mary is the internationally known author of Conscious Communications, her brand new book that just came out uh, this year in August, your step-by-step guide to harnessing the power of your words to change your mind, your choices, and your life. As an author, speaker, entrepreneur, and CEO, Mary teaches individuals and businesses to fearlessly create their own realities by using scientific methods and practical personal development. Mary has appeared internationally in magazines, on television shows, and has been a guest on over 100 podcasts, including Chicken Soup for the Soul, Lavender Lifestyle, Positive Head, Ever Forward Radio, and more. Her practical and scientific methods, straightforward teaching, and actionable tips ensure that anyone can improve their life. So, Mary, welcome. Hey, thank you, Tara. I'm so excited to meet you and to be on your show today. Thank you. And as we were just briefly chatting before we got on air, I am loving your book. And so um, when we were in contact to be on the show, it was so fun for me because I've read so many books on conscious communication, although yours is a first for me in the communication behind the field of creating your reality. The previous books that I have read were communicating consciously with everyone else around you. And so it's perfect for my own self, um, my own studies of my, of my personal development, which I'm always doing, but it was perfect that when your assistant had contacted us to um, have the show because I am really in the throes of creating my own reality. So your book couldn't have come at a more perfect time. <laughs> and well, I love, that's perfect. Yeah, yeah, and I love how you are so focused on the intention of creating your real, your own reality, our own reality. So start talking to us about the conscious communication. So do you mean the the book when you say conscious communications? Yes, different from, you know, when you're just consciously communicating with someone else and being mindful in your words and, and what you're putting out. You're talking about consciously creating your reality in your book. Okay. Well, I think that it's really fun to talk about creating your reality because you can get into so many interesting conversations about consciousness just in general. So like, for example, um, in a forum the other day, um, somebody called out like, oh, you know, that situation you're talking about, you created it. And a lot of times the person that's facing a situation doesn't really want to accept that they created that. But we're always creating everything in every moment, in every thin sliced moment of life with the choices that we're making, we're actually creating the next moment of our life and the next and the next and the next. And so sometimes we don't understand how like the simplest things 
are building our world, our world around us. And when you can get super conscious, this is why the book is called Conscious Communications. When you can get super conscious about your choices, about your words, about your identity, just in general, like being authentic, then you can begin to control the reality that you are creating versus flowing in the chaos of all the circumstances that seem to be what is creating our reality. And I love this. Let's take this from a perspective of someone who's brand new to this field and is listening to you. How does that person begin to or start to learn how to detach themselves from when you say flowing and creating your own reality versus just flowing with the chaos? How does someone start detaching themselves or becoming the observer in that place? So I think detachment's a little bit of an advanced concept. <laughs> Let's start at the beginning. <laughs> um, <laughs> I mean, I love detachment, but let's, okay, let's start like really what are the very first steps in doing this, Tara? So I right. know you told me you're about a third of the way through the book, so this is perfect for you. Um, the, the One of the first things that you want to do is become... Um, get really clear on what you're focused on. A lot of times when I ask people, you know, what they want, they tell me this laundry list of things that they don't want. And right. the thing is that when we're focused on what we don't want, we're still focused on things we don't want. And what we need to do is and focus on what we do want. Now, it, that sounds really simple, but it's not so simple because it, it implies that you really need to be able to control what we think about. And the problem with that is that we think about 60,000 thoughts a day and the overwhelming majority of them are exactly the same as the time as the day before. And your thoughts are coming from subconscious and your subconscious is more difficult to control than your conscious mind. So your conscious mind is in the prefrontal area of the brain and the, the subconscious is more, you know, deeper. It's not in the frontal lobe area. Well, so what you can do is just start a simple daily practice of how you begin to change your thoughts, because don't we always hear that in the whole, let's create our reality. It's like control your thoughts or change your thoughts, change your world. You know, we, we hear those sayings all the time, but I've, but how do you change your thoughts? You know, that's the important question. How do you do that? And one of the things you can do, and like I suggest this in the book, is you can create a daily gratitude practice. Now, when I talk about a daily gratitude practice, it's not because I feel like I owe a God in the sky a debt of gratitude every day. But what it's doing is it is forming new neural networks in my subconscious mind. And when you begin to do things like that as a daily practice, you eventually begin to follow that new train of thought. And it takes about 45 days, but then you start to use that new neural pathway, which will then change your focus. And another way of doing that is um, in chapter two of the book, we have, a, we have an exercise called your 100 things list which is where you write out a hundred things that you like about yourself, which again is something that sounds rather simplistic, but when you try to do it, it's actually much harder than you would think. Absolutely. And actually that, I'm glad that you brought that one up because that's definitely one of the things that I wanted to touch on today. 
to me, it did not sound easy. And I've been doing personal development for like 10 years. And so I thought I could probably come up easy with like 20 things. And as I was reading, you know, through the book and it took you like four weeks, I thought, yeah, it would definitely take me that long because I won't just, I don't just want to say I like my legs. I like my hair. You know, I want to get really deep in there. And so a hundred things actually sounds really daunting. I'm on number 15. (laughs) (laughs) I'm so glad you said that. I'm so glad you said about it being daunting. And the reason it's important that you follow through is because guess what? You're not going to build a a new neural network with 15 things you like about Mm -hmm. yourself. It's no, you know what? That many. It does. And actually, I was thinking about it this morning in yoga when we were in a particular pose, and our teacher said, just sit here and sit here in all the uncomfortableness that you're in. And I immediately went to your 100 list. And I thought, yeah, like I just have to sit there and look at the sheet. And I'm on number 15. And I'm like, I just have to sit here with it. Instead of in your book, it said, don't just push it away, just sit with it. And something will come up. Yeah, like the fact that you didn't get up and leave the room when she told you. Right. (laughs) Oh, because that's a special kind of torture because of our active, you know, monkey minds when someone tries to encourage us to shut that down. Yeah, and I and I just love. I actually, this is probably one of the biggest pieces of the book that I've loved so far because it is such a challenge. Because it also, just that 100th list, because then you also think, am I being egoic? Society doesn't tell me to write 100 things down that I love. So I think this is a great basis for the beginning piece of the book. Well, I love what you just said about the egoic and society not teaching us to to be proud of um, mm-hmm. what our accomplishments are. You know, I think that that's a very female type of um, what's the word sort of quandary or issue like getting into things like imposter syndrome because mm-hmm. you know men if, if they make the big new business deal you know they're they're very comfortable chatting about it and bragging about it and one of the things that I did was create this um, daily practice that we have we call it the daily desires diary And what you do is you write three things that you're grateful for. You write three things that you're proud of. And that means in a day, that's not like in a year. It's like three, what are three things you're proud of today? Right. Right? Mm -hmm. And then you write three things you desire. And when you talk about creating your reality, you know, we've been talking thus far about focus and thoughts. And like, think about that. Like, what if you just made a daily practice of stating three things you're grateful for, three things you're proud of, and three things you desire? So the reason why that practice is so powerful is because it is the trick of changing your focus. Even if you just do it for one minute, You can have all the other minutes of the day to go back to, you know, whatever it is you were doing before. But if you can just take one minute and do something like this 
after a little bit of time, you're really going to start to notice some changes around you. One of the changes that you'll start to notice is an increased amount of synchronicities. And what I, you know, what I like to liken this to is that you begin to notice all kinds of new opportunities around you. And it's my belief that the opportunities were actually always there. It's just that you're not noticing them because you're not focused. Absolutely. It's like you buy a new car and at that point, oh, everyone has this car. (laughs) I have been noticing all the synchronicities and all of the um, abundance that is in my life. Like you said, it's probably always been there. I've just never made the conscious effort to notice them and to be aware of them. And so as soon as I made that shift, there is a lot of abundance in my life. There's a lot of synchronicity um, and serendipity going on in my life that I just wasn't um, consciously aware of about a month ago. Yeah, like you're not, there's, it's like you turn the the radio station or something, you know, Mm -hmm. it's really, it's really incredible. And one of the things that I did was um, I wrote a page of affirmations a day. I must be on this like coaching exercise kick today because so far the only thing I've told you (laughs) is these little daily practices. There's a lot more to me than just daily practices, but uh, (laughs) you know, we'll work up to detachment. So the, um, yeah, one of the daily practices I did was to write a page of affirmations a day because, you know, it was a tall order when I wanted to create a book deal with Hay House Publishing because, number Mm. one, I just can't even explain to you my love affair with Louise Hay. Right. I don't. (laughs) Like, I, when I discovered Louise Hay, I just decided right then and there that um, I was her protege. I am yeah. Louise Hayes' protege, and you know that was years ago. But look at this; I'm making it happen. Mm-hmm. And it's not like I believed in that moment that I could make that happen. I mean, that belief took many years to install and reinforce mm-hmm. and trip over myself and make mistakes. And but but the universe or God or my higher self or whatever you want to call it led me in the direction of what my true intention was, which was really to teach the world how to have a better life. You know, whether you want to use the words, create your reality. I mean, the bottom line is whatever language you're comfortable with, we all want to live the best possible, you know, if infinite possibilities are available to us, we all want to step into that best possibility. Mm Mm-hmm. I agree. And I agree that we are all here to live that infinite life and the best possible life that we are here to live It is those first five years of our life or first seven years of our life that we have just stumbled over and that we're now trying to undo all of our beliefs and all of our patterns and our thought processes. And so I love that your book, again, I'm only a third of the way through, but I love that your book is teaching us how to undo it, teaching us the science behind why we're undoing what we're doing and why we're recreating and how this recreation is going to lead us to the path of the life that we want to live. 
I absolutely love what you just said, especially the point you made about we're kind of working through all the things that we installed in our first five to seven years. And um, I would add to that point because I do think that the majority of our foundational belief systems come from those formative years. Mm. And, um, but I've been thinking about this, um, this thing I've been talking about lately, I'm calling it unraveled. And what I mean by that is like, we could make, we could take 10 or 20, 30 years to sort of through our emotional tragedies that have happened to us, to us in our lives. And I am mm. no stranger to tragedy. And um, I think that a lot of people are surprised when they hear my story and they see also the level of success that I've gained. And mm. they kind of, they, they want to know, like, how did you do that? Well, one of the things that I've realized, especially lately, is the way that when you have one emotional struggle after another, after another, after another, or like, you know, what I was saying before, when you're flowing in the chaos of, of uncontrolled circumstances, um, how this begins to affect you physically and mentally. And it, it can cause curvature of the spine. It can cause arthritis. Mm -hmm. It can cause fibromyalgia, but we don't necessarily in our like modern medical practice, we don't attach that to the emotional issues, but Louise Hay sure did. You know, <laughs> I was and, just going to say the exact same thing. We should take our Louise Hay book with us to the office. <laughs> well, absolutely. And so one of the things that I have recently become like, super interested in because I've gone through about two years of traction therapy. Now, the reason I did this is because after 30 years of just chronic, chronic stress in my life, I mean, I, I lost a child at a young age. I have another special needs child and I went through just, uh, I, I mean, I was abandoned at three years old. I mean, you name it, it's probably happened to me. Um, up into up, up to like a certain point, you know, like I was never got a drug addiction or anything like that, but I certainly had my share of issues. And like you said, baggage that were, were constantly working out. Well, so after years of this, I developed a 56 degree kyphotic curve in my back. And what that means is, you know, when you see like an elderly woman and she has like that hump on her back, mm -hmm. well, that didn't, that didn't develop overnight that developed in her over a lifetime of things that made her feel like she had to protect her heart. And so for those of us who have gone through tragic heartbreak, we can begin to adopt this posture of rolled shoulders forward and a hump on the back. Well, I noticed this in myself and it was increasing. And so I started going through traction therapy. Well, the great news is I completely corrected the curve. So it's gone and um, mm. my spine is, my spine is now normal, but also the flood, the two years that it took to get there was this unraveling of all mm. of the emotional traumas that led up to it. So if you've ever had an experience at yoga where you just suddenly became emotional. Oh yeah. Yes. Yes, yes, yes. Like, <laughs> yes. So that's exactly the kind of emotional release that I'm talking about that I experienced mm -hmm. through 
traction therapy. So that's why I call it unraveled because it's like, it's unraveling these things in my past. Well, guess what, everybody, when you can let go, when we talk about creating our own reality, here's why this is so important because there, this is our point of creation. And when we are carrying around all of the struggles from our past, it is creating in us a certain energy or a certain, like some people call it like you give off a vibe. Um, mm-hmm. So this is kind of like our, our energetic signature for lack of better terminology. And in the book, I, I describe a lot of this, like in the Cheryl Strayed movie and best-selling book wild, she describes her backpack that she goes, you know, she's hiking the Pacific crest trail and she, mm-hmm. she talks about her backpack that is, like 50 or 75 pounds or something. And, and she calls it monster. She actually gives it a name because that's how physically demanding it is such a great metaphor for life. How many pounds of tragedy are you carrying in your backpack? Right. Your backpack, meaning your actual back, you know? And so when you go through that process of healing and you release these emotions, whether you're doing it through yoga or acupuncture or chiropractic care, you know, a lot of people have the emotional releases. And once you release something, you're changing your point of creation just a little bit. I love it because I do all three of those. I do, well, and I do massage and chiropractic and acupuncture and yoga. And so I have releases all the time. Sometimes I can name them. Sometimes I can't name them. They just come up and I just have to allow them to flow through me in whatever way they come through. Sometimes it's incredible laughter. Sometimes it's incredible sobbing. And most of the time I don't know what that piece is, but it's transformational in and of itself. Yeah. It's like a, it's like a cleaning out of the system. I noticed it. I noticed it very deeply one time during a yin yoga class mm-hmm. and, um, it just, my mind immediately went to a memory and it was almost like I could tell you exactly where that memory was stored in our body or in my body. And that's where Mm -hmm. you get the terminology, like the issues are in the tissues. Right. Yeah. And I would love to um, give us a little bit of your background because you've completely intrigued us um, a little bit of your background story, your history. I immediately like picture in my mind you know, the opening scene of the movie, The Jerk. Yes. <laughs> you know that movie with Steve Martin? Yeah. Oh, absolutely. That's how I feel like my story sounds. <laughs> well, and he is so um, physical in his comedy as well. I, yeah, I have the complete visualization. Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay. Well, I was not born... I was not born a poor black child, Um, but I was, you know, a child of, I was born in the seventies and like grew up in the eighties. And so like a lot of people in that time period, my parents got divorced, but I did have some situations where my mother suffered from bipolar and this affected us as children in that she was unstable. And um, so when I was three years old, I was sent to live with relatives that um, that was definitely distressing to be separated from your parent um, at such a young age. But then again, when I was 16, I was actually out living on my own. My, my mother was um, 
just didn't just wasn't interested in having any children anymore. So was out on my own and had a child when I was 19 who was born with profound brain damage. It was to a level that um, she was blind. She was deaf. She, she couldn't suck a bottle. So she had a gastronomy tube inserted into her tummy and so at 19, 20 years old, I was this um, caregiver basically living in the children's hospitals and seeing things that forever change you, you know. So wow. even, you know, even though I'm, I'm writing a book and I'm talking about creating your reality, you know, the truth is that we cannot ignore that there are unspeakable tragedies that happen in our lives. And this, this this time in my life had a great impact on me. I mean, seeing the, the children in the cancer unit, the burn units, car accidents. I mean, it was, it was dreadful, but it, it also led me to study the brain because my daughter mm-hmm. had this brain injury and I wanted to know everything about the brain. And that was really my beginning study for a lot of the things that are in the book. Um, she did pass away when she was a year and a half. And I picked up the pieces from there, started a business when I was um, only 24. I was actually the youngest person in the country to start a business in my industry, which um, is actually a collection agency. So it's not like you see a lot of people writing these kind of books that are debt collectors. Right. Even at 24. (laughs) Yeah. Well, no. So you definitely don't see people, you know, starting a business like that at 24. You know, another thing for me personally was that it was a very, and still is to this day, a very male dominated industry. And so here I was a a female, very young, didn't really know what I was doing at all, which actually served me because I guess I didn't know what I didn't know. So I I had no fear. I, I had no fear. I mean, once you've gone through certain things in life, you know, the benefit is you're, you're fearless. Well, that's one of the things that I talk about in the book is like, it's so important that you loosen your grip on the tragedies of your past, you know, and I'm not suggesting that you pretend they didn't happen. I mean, they are your stories and they made you who you are today. But the, but the, the big reality that I have found is the more you can focus on the empowering parts of the story, like that's where your true superpowers lie. That's where your true authenticity can come from. And what, what shifted you? What shifted you into, I'm not, even though at 24 you had started your own business, you had all of this tragedy in your life. What was the shift that you decided I've created this business. I am the youngest female in my business, in this male-dominated business. What was the shift that you decided, and, I'm still, and I still want more? How do I get that? Where did that that's come a from great, you? That's a great question, and it's not, in, uh, it's not in one moment. You know, I think that mm-hmm. I feel like I've been a person for many years who has looked or sought out, you know, like I'm a seeker. Does that make sense? Oh yeah, totally. (laughs) So here's what 
me being a seeker looks like and what I can manifest in my life is like, if there's an advertisement for a weekend workshop that says, come to this weekend workshop and have a transformation in a weekend, I will be like, sign me up. I want to have this transformation. And so throughout my love of personal development in the last 15 years, I've gone to hundreds of workshops. And what I learned was there's not a moment of a transformation, but a transformation happens over many, many, many years. And mm-hmm. so it's a, that's why they say it's a journey because like I would go to these weekend workshops and I would look around me and all these people would be so excited and they would be like, oh, I've changed my life and, you know, here's what I'm going to do. And I would kind of look at myself and go, well, what's wrong with me? Because I feel exactly the same. And what I realized was because, you know, I would talk to these same people three weeks later and they would be back. They would be right back in the same circumstances as they were before. And mm-hmm. so in that moment that they real that in that moment that they had the conviction that they were going to change their life, they were really riding high on the chemicals of dopamine and right. And vasopressin. And so they were in this euphoria where they felt very bonded to these like-minded people and they had these rushes of dopamine, but that's not long lasting change. So when I talked to them three weeks later, nothing had changed. And what was different for me is that I guess I, I enjoyed the dopamine part, but I didn't consider that meant my life changed. And so instead what I would do is I would take the takeaways that I learned and I would go home and I would apply them to my life because how often do you go to a conference and you learn so many things and then you come home and you put your book away and you never think about it again. Mm -hmm. And I do that. So my new kind of practice is when I go to a conference or a workshop or something, I pick one major takeaway like it might, mm-hmm. I might've learned hundreds of things, but I'm going to take one major takeaway and I'm going to apply it mm-hmm. in my life. And so that's really what happened. And the shift was more like layers of an onion. You know, you, you learn one concept and then you learn another and you learn another. And as far as wanting more, it was, it was really that when I had learned so much and I really felt like I needed to share it to the world, um, I mean, there's just so many things that happened. Like, you know, I got on this mission where I really want people to feel good about paying their debt because having a debt is a psychological burden. And it's a burden that gets in between people and living the life that they want. And the reason for that is because the way we feel about debt in this country is an underlying foundation of shame and unworthiness. Mm-hmm. But, you know, that is not just about debt. We, ha- we can have an underlying feeling of shame and unworthiness that stems from many, many, many things, mm-hmm. you know, things we've, things we've done in our past, not having enough money, feeling like we don't have the body style we want, or, or perhaps we don't have the relationship we want, but whatever those things are, you know, you can change, you can change that. And it takes these little small baby steps to go into a new direction and change what it is that is causing you creating say that that chaos and um one of my favorite parts of the book is 
when I talk about cleanse or clog, which you're not there yet, but um, no, but actually that was one of the questions I was going to ask you. Tell me about this. Cause I'm not there yet. <laughs> <laughs> I know. And I don't want to spoil it for you, but for the sake of your audience, like this is yeah. something huge that you can just start doing like right now today. And it's really when I'm just going to say to you that I'll use an example of a relationship that everything you say, everything you do, every word that comes out of your mouth in your relationships, whether that be with your significant other, with your coworkers, with your children, with your friends, everything is either cleansing that relationship or clogging it. And so what I'm really saying is everything is either creating a deeper connection or driving a disconnection. And so when we kind of slow down and say, okay, if I, if I do this thing or if I say this, is it going to create a cleanse or a clog? And it's true not only in your relationships, but like what are you doing to cleanse or clog your career? Um, what are you doing to cleanse or clog your physical body like with the food that you eat? You know, if I am one, if I am on a diet and I want to lose 20 pounds, then I don't really need to learn all these complicated diets like paleo or keto. I can honestly just look at a piece of food and ask myself, will this piece of food cleanse me or clog me? And, you know, if I look at an apple, that's pretty obvious it's going to be a cleanse. And if I look at a Snickers bar, it's pretty obvious that it's a clog. <laughs> Right. And so when you think about it in simple terms like that, okay, so now here's where we can talk a little bit about detaching. So what I need to do is detach from everything that is not in alignment with my goal. So sometimes that means refraining from the Snickers bar. And I, I like to talk about it in like an 80-20 principle, meaning 80% of the time you need to make cleansing connected choices. And then 20% of the time, you know, it's fine to make a mistake, eat the Snickers bar, yell at your husband. I mean, whatever you need. Mm -hmm. <laughs> right. I love this. I love it, love it, love it. And actually, and now I want to really jump forward to the cleanser clog portion, because just as you're speaking about every, any, any and every aspect of our life, this can be applied to. And for whatever reason, probably the last three days, my husband and I have just been kind of nitpicky. And this morning I thought, God, what is going on? And I still, I have no idea what's going on. But in saying that, it's totally clogging whatever I am saying. I'm 100% participating in the nitpicking. It's clogging. I need to unclog it. And right. In okay. So can we, let's talk about this. I like this. Yeah. So Please. you and your husband, you and your husband have been nitpicking. Yes. So how do you change that from a clog to a cleanse? For me, okay, so, and I will just give you my habits up until now, and you can tell me how to shift. So if I need to make that mindful shift of, okay, I no longer want to participate in the clogging, I want to be in the cleansing. I will then listen to whatever it is that he's saying and make the conscious choice of how I respond, what my words are, so that they, are, they come from the point of cleansing the relationship, not clogging. So what would, that, what would that look like? Um, I'm trying to think of what the last little nitpick was. And gosh, they've been just so small. It's just 
it isn't natural or normal that we're just a little nitpick here and there. And so, gosh, nothing even specific is coming to mind. So it probably would look like um, not biting, not biting, not biting the hook. So I'm going to, you said this has been in the last. Um, no, no, just two or three days. Oh, okay. Even better. Cause that's perfect. Um, that's perfect. So this is what I'm going to suggest. Yes. I'm going to go a little bit deeper here. Let's talk yeah. about Thanksgiving. Let's, let's talk about Thanksgiving. We just yes. had the Thanksgiving holiday and what happens during the holidays is we have our to-do list grows by like a hundred things. Mm-hmm. And we are dealing with family that we don't get to see that often. Sometimes it's great. Sometimes it's stressful, like, but it's still, regardless, it's still a stress, whether it's, family members that you love or family members like that you just avoid like the plague, it's still a stress. Right. And so the real way to cleanse or clog in your situation is to step back in like when you get into holiday mode, what if you cleansed or clogged your holidays? Oh, I love it. I know. So that's what what I do. (laughs) Like, do you really need do you really need the fine china with the napkins all pressed a certain way? And like, what can we let go of during our holiday routine that would loosen up our stress? And then once you, if you cleansed your holidays, so to speak, how would that have shown up differently in this little nitpicky over the last few days? So, yeah. And just applying that, to the last couple of days. So this was the first year that my parents were out of town. Uh, my two of my three sons um, were out of town. So it was my husband, uh, me and our youngest two is 16. And so I was surprisingly looking forward to just the three of us because there wasn't any of the other, you know, family or anything else that could go wrong or too many, you know, making too much food or whatever. And so I really enjoyed the process of just having the three of us. However, as you were talking, what was coming up for me was almost the opposite that I didn't have to prepare all this stuff, but I did. Like I made three different pies for three people. (laughs) Right. You know, a ton of food. And I think part of what it was, was maybe just the decompressing. Maybe it was feeling like I needed to do, I don't know, but something is clicking in there that's kind of processing with the words that you just gave me. For Christmas, it will be different and we will have more family in town. There'll be lots of us. I'm already thinking, how can I cleanse it instead of clogging it? Divide and delegate. (laughs) Amen. (laughs) So it's interesting. It's interesting that, all right, You know, this is such a good example of many, many things. It's interesting that you actually had a more low-key Thanksgiving because I did too, but you still, it still conjures up the stress chemicals because, yeah, I mean, what in the world made you make three pies for three people? And it's our programming. It's that when you were seven years old, you went to your grandma's house and there was probably 27 pies. And now you're thinking to yourself, what is wrong with you? Because you don't have 27 pies. You only had three pies, Tara. Right. Come on now. Oh, gosh, Where's the yes. other 24 pies? <laughs> right? Oh, you're not kidding. I, I'm, this is I know I'm on. not. It's what we do <laughs> to ourselves. 
So I guess what I'm suggesting is that, you know, this nitpicky, because it's not your normal routine, is brought on by the elevated stress chemicals that are brought on by the holidays. And um, your example was perfect because you actually did have a low-key Thanksgiving, but you still went through the motions of the same stress. Oh, man, this is awesome. Because I'm sure other people can relate because as you first started talking, I thought, but I had a low key. But then stuff started, <laughs> like the cogs, the cogs of the wheel started clicking into place that you're absolutely right. I was still creating subconsciously all of the stress that would have been there had I had 20 people to feed. And the expectations. Mm-hmm. I mean, I love your I love your example of the three pies. It's perfect. So, yeah, I mean, you know, and then when you can expect it. So, like. When you can expect um, Christmas stress and we're thinking about um, cleansing or clogging with Mr. Husband, then maybe the way to cleanse is just to say, you know what, Mr. Husband, I'm going to be batshit for the next three days and I am just going to ask your forgiveness now. Right. You know, that's a that's a very cleansing thing to do to say, you know what, if I if I get over the top with you, you know, just just not you. It's it's just like just pretend like it's the biggest PMS moment we've ever experienced. Yeah. Right. Which he's definitely experiencing that right now. He can completely relate. (laughs) (laughs) Poor guy. At least he's got pie to eat. (laughs) Right. I think he's lucky he's got all these pies. Well, anyway, so, you know, and then that's a really great example of how to detach because um, by very definition, it's like, how can we detach from the need to make three pies when we don't need three pies? Like, what if, what if we didn't make any pies? Oh my God. What? I know. (laughs) And you're spot on with um, having the uh, the family. We had a huge family that lived on a farm, and so 20 pies was not even unrealistic. Right, I know. Yeah, absolutely. And it, but so that's a silly example to say detach from pies. But let's talk about something else. So when I was, you know, really, really wanted this this book deal. Um, I had to write a proposal. I had to write a book. Um, I got the book deal. I had nine months, I believe, to turn in my first draft. I had to detach from things that sometimes meant not going to a party that I wanted to go to. Mm. Um, You know, we talk a lot in recent times about work-life balance, but I had to detach from a little bit of that because what I needed to focus on was getting the job done. And so my self-care routine changed and um, I needed to detach from everything that was not in exact alignment with, with getting my, my goal done. If I'm on a diet, it looks like, you know, detaching might be the same thing. Well, you know what? I'm not going to go to that party tonight because I know that there's going to be like a spread of food that it's just going to be overwhelming for me. Or, Mm -hmm. you know, another thing that I talk to a lot of women that are in um, dating situations and this is kind of a vulgar example, but I I've said to women, you know, if you're dating someone and you know that he's not the one, then you should not be sleeping with him. You should not be moving forward with him. You need to detach from everybody who it's not the right choice 
because mm-hmm. the more you, the universe will reward you. The more you say no, the more the universe will give you. The more you say no to the wrong guy, the wrong opportunity, the wrong friendship, sometimes even the wrong conversation, because you know the moment when, say, your one friend calls you and, and you know she's just going to complain or gossip or she's going to say something that just makes you uncomfortable. Well, mm-hmm. what if you just didn't take that call? Right. It's so empowering. And, It is so empowering. And the more you can learn to detach from what doesn't serve you, the result is you become so authentic in who you really are that you, I've got an entire chapter in the book um, dedicated to becoming who you really are. And it's so important because once you figure out sort of what your natural gifts are and you apply that to your world, you will see everything change. So, you know, we talked about these simple concepts in the beginning, like gratitude and a hundred things, but we get into more graduated concepts, like, like living a true authentic life. And on so many shows and in this like personal development space, I hear people a lot of times talking about purpose and purpose can become this very complicated concept, but what if it isn't? What if it's as simple as understanding, do you want to know what your purpose is? It's what you're good at. It's what mm-hmm. are you talented at? What, what, without even trying, can you do better than anyone else? And for some people, that's baking the pies. Not right. for me, but <laughs> for some people, it's, it's nurturing, it's teaching, it's, you know, it's whatever your gifts are. And if you don't know what they are, just go online and, you know, take Google um, Myers-Briggs personality test or Enneagram mm-hmm. or, or DISC, D-I-S-C profile. And you can take a short you know, quiz, it'll take you less than 20 minutes. It's better than Cosmo quizzes, ladies. Right. But if you do this, then you're going to get a personality profile. And what I want you to do is I want you to take a highlighter and everything that it says are your positive characteristics. I want you to highlight them. And then I want you to look at those words and I want you to say, how can I bring these characteristics more into my life, whether if you have a job, how can I bring my ability to be a great teacher to my job? You know, maybe your job is corporate, but the fact that you have teaching skills and that's your natural ability, how can you apply that to your everyday job? Mm-hmm. You know, and what you'll find, and this is, this is one of the things, you know, you talked about what is the moment of a shift. This was one of them when I realized how to bring my God-given natural talents to my role at the collection agency. Um, not only did I change my entire company, but I'm working on changing the entire industry. Ooh. Oh, I love it. And I love what we, when we when you first brought up this this topic, um, we're not organically shown or taught to know what we're good at. As it kind of goes back to the society thing, we're not told what we're good at. We have to figure that piece out, and then we even second guess it, and third guess it, and fourth guess it. So finding that piece out of what we're good at is this huge moment of oh my god, I am really good at this. It is that um, 
acknowledgement for ourselves and that claiming, yes, I am really good at this. And then figuring out how you can become abundant in that source. That moment of figuring out that that piece is what you're good at is so rewarding. You know, and I love everything you, you've said because even sometimes whatever it is we're good at is also what we've been criticized for. Yes. You know, one of the things, one of the things that I, um, is, I am good at is talking. <laughs> um, you know, I, I know it's so crazy, but when I was a kid, you know, on that report card talks too much, talks too much, talks too much. Oh my much. God, Mary. I, same, same, completely ditto 100%. Tara talks too much. Tara talks too much. And that's what I want to do. I am a speaker as well. Mm-hmm. Right. So, but do you see what I mean about like, that's a perfect example of when we've been criticized for what our natural talent is. Or what right. if we so wasn't, what if we weren't the natural born speakers? Maybe we are the dancers and we would mm-hmm. get in trouble for like getting up out of our seat and moving around. I mean, whatever it is. Mm-hmm. I just don't be surprised if you've been taught the opposite. Mm. Because what you love to do, I mean, I, I have a picture of me standing on our fireplace mantle with a microphone in my hand, pretending I was Cher. And I was speaking and singing to everybody. I was working the room. I was walking around. So I would do this in school. And that was the biggest thing that I was criticized for. So that makes complete sense that we are criticized for probably the purpose that we are here for. One time, one time I was in middle school and I was going to a Lutheran school and I was probably in about the sixth grade. And I told my mother that I wanted this one particular swimsuit. And I feel like the swimsuit was $55, which in 1980 something like that's a lot of money for a 13 year old girl swimsuit. (laughs) Right. So my mother told me, if you want that swimsuit, you're going to have to buy it yourself. So my solution to that was I went up into the attic and my father was a buyer for a large beauty supply company. And we had tons of stuff in our attic and that he just collected at trade shows or, I mean, I don't know where this stuff came from, but we had tons of it. So I just went up in the attic and bottles of nail polish, remover, hair dryers, combs. I mean, it was all beauty supplies. And I took it to school and we had these cafeteria tables and I just set up a little store at the cafeteria table and I just sold stuff to the girls and wanted to earn money for this swimsuit. Well, the principal did not appreciate this and called my mother and, you know, I got in trouble, so to speak, but it's so funny because like I'm a CEO. So of course, that's how my mind would solve that problem. I, I needed $55. How was I going to get it? I was like 12. Right. And I feel like <laughs> intrinsically, we know what we're here to do. We know how to do it. It's all of the outside sources that tell us no, when we really know what we're supposed to do. I really did. Because I, I did not ask anyone's permission. I mean, I thought of that all by myself just to go to. Because his- why would you? Right. That's what you're here to do. Right. That's Yes. So when you figure out what these gifts are and you can just find one little way, two little ways to apply it to your life, you will definitely see some shifts happening. And again, you'll start to see more synchronicities. You'll start to, you just start to notice like, Hey, you wanted, um, you wanted this kind of opportunity. And next thing you know, 
someone mentions it to you and has a perfect contact for you, or you're sitting next to the person at the airport who's the perfect person you need to meet. Right. Let's talk about, we've got uh, about 10 minutes left, and I really want to get into these two things of, and we've kind of back and forth touched on both of these topics, but I want to hit on them specifically. Five reasons you're stuck and how to fix them. And then the second one is creating a one-page action plan for massive growth. Okay. So let's talk about the action plan. Um, so I love writing one page action plans because it is what I've always done. It's been my secret formula for success for many, many years. I never actually created say a long-term business plan. I always just took smaller projects and created one page action plans. This is a great way to supercharge your manifestation, so to speak, or how, you know, how, when you get really good, um, at creating your reality, this is something that will really exponentially strengthen your ability to do that. And so what you do is, and we, um, we have, this is, this is written in the book in the last chapter, but we have a free guidebook that we always give to listeners to shows. And the blueprint for this is also in the guidebook. So even if you don't check out the book, Conscious Communications, you can still get the free guidebook and it has this one page action plan in it. So you okay, start cool. with the you start with the end result that you want. So you can call that a goal. You can just something that you want, like, for example, sell your house. Um, then what you need to do is write, what are six things that need to be true in order to sell my house? So, you know, maybe it needs to be remodeled or painted, or you need to hire a realtor. You need to talk to a banker. You need to find out the, the, you know, the, the value so you just start listing six things and these would be like bullet pointed items. And then after that, what you want to do is you want to take each one of these bullet pointed items and then you want to create three action steps. So if it is um, you need to get some general maintenance done on the house then action step number one might be to interview at least three contractors or get three, you know, th get three estimates from three different contractors. Um, another action step might be talk to a realtor who is an expert in staging to find out about things like what are the best colors to paint the walls while you are, while you are selling a house. And then perhaps the third one is, you know, to figure out a budget for your, for your remodeling project. And so you just go through that and you repeat it for each one of the six steps. And when you're finished, what you will have is a one page action plan that will be super easy to follow. And it just really helps you keep like when you get overwhelmed, because sometimes we start projects and I don't know about you, but um, we seem to have a lot in common, but Sometimes when I start a new project, I can get easily overwhelmed with the tasks. Oh, my and God, yes. So if I take the time to do this one-page action plan, and we do this at my office all the time, 
all of a sudden things become so much more manageable because you can look at it and you can tell exactly where you need to get the help from. And mm-hmm. it, it, your, your brain just automatically starts organizing it. You don't actually even have to try very hard. I love it because personally for me, yes, if I have the bigger picture in mind, I almost go into anxiety mode thinking, oh, my God, there's so much to do. And so at that point, I almost want to shut down instead of doing it. And so I love these action steps of breaking it down because for me, then when I can see this list, oh, this is so easy. I can completely do all this. This is so simple. And it, gets, it all gets done step by step. And- That part you said about shutting down, I mean, that's a real thing studied by neuroscience, and it is what is the underlying cause of procrastination. So if you've ever uh, suffered from procrastination, which I know that I have, just know that it comes from being overwhelmed. And actually, Mm -hmm. you you know, you mentioned um, some of the things that keep you stuck. That's being overwhelmed is one of the things that will keep you stuck because, the stress chemicals put you in fight or flight, but it's also called fight, flight, or freeze. Right. And freeze equals procrastination, throwing in the towel because it's too overwhelming. And another, you know, another one of the things that keeps you stuck is just sometimes we just don't know how, like, you know, for my many years that I wanted to write a book and I would tell myself like, I want to write a book, but I'm not a writer. Well, right. all I needed, all I needed was like someone to hold my hand and take me through those first few steps of mm-hmm. writing a book. Mm-hmm. And once I knew how, well, then it was, it was less stressful. Right. I completely agree with you. And I can, I can um, immediately resonate with writing the book because I took the Hay House um, book writers course and I'm writing a book as well, but as soon as I took the course, it literally broke it all down for me. And I thought, oh, I can still write a book now. And so I love how you've given us these ideas to implement these into any scenario in our life. Just break it down. And I actually do this um, in the morning each day. Okay, so this is my huge list. What really needs to be done today? What are the three things that absolutely have to happen today? And then what can happen today? Because if I look at my whole list for the day, I can just stay in bed and not get out. <laughs> right. That's you're right. And or end up two hours late because you don't yeah. even want to get started. Right. Oh, I love this, Mary. This has been so enlightening. Thank you for showing up on our path at the perfect time that we've all needed to hear you. I'm so happy to be here. <laughs> And we didn't even get to talk on the life wheel. Uh, we didn't get to talk about uh, friend or frenemy. So we're just all going to have to read the book. Give us your promo for the book one more time. Well, you can absolutely find the book Conscious Communications by Mary Shores on Amazon.com. It is published by Hay House, so it's also available on their website. It's available in most of the Barnes & Noble's stores um, across the country. So you can also check there if you prefer to walk in a store and and purchase it. I would love for you to just at the very least, go and read the description of the book, see if it resonates with you. And if you're on the fence, you know, you can certainly download our free guidebook, which I know we sent Tara a link. But if, if you want to just find it directly on our website, that is maryshores.com. There is a button called free gifts. 
And you will find that and much more located right there. And I will put that free link um, when I resubmit this um, on our page and then on, and on my website. We will submit the, um, the free link for that as well. Thank you so much. Yeah. Thank you, Mary. This has been completely delightful and fun and enlightening. I'm so glad you were here. Yeah, me too. I'm, I had a really great time with you today, and I look forward to connecting with some of your listeners. Yeah, thank you. And to all of our listeners, we look forward to seeing you next week. We'll be having Amy Green on, who was a, or is a fabulous chef who has hung up her apron. Let's find out what she's going for now. We'll see you here next week. Bye, Mary. Bye-bye.